morning, everyone. Good morning. So I heard, I heard a rumor that Olivia is having a birthday. Mm-hmm. Is this true? Today. Yes, today. This is true. Happy birthday. And uh, it's good to see everybody, not just Olivia, because it's her birthday. It's good to see you all. Let's let's begin. I'm gonna open this up first. God bless us, please. Father in heaven, help us. Give us wisdom and grace. Encourage us. Help us be better friends, better helpers, better thinkers, and help us be better spouses and friends. Help us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I need I need a volunteer. Mike? Okay. I'm going to interview you. Okay. Uh, can you think of anything in the last few days that you've done um, that was good for you? Not necess- I don't mean necessarily like exercise. Just, have you done anything um, that is just good for you? Yeah. Okay. Have you? Do you ever do anything that's bad for you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now I don't just mean like health-wise. I mean, do you? Do you sin? Can you believe this guy? All right. All right. All right. Another question. Another question. Uh, do you ever, um, like, do you ever? Read a book or start some project and then don't finish it. Yes. You do that? I do that too, actually. Right. Um, home prep. Tim, Tim does it. Medina just told us. Tim does it too. Okay, so sometimes, sometimes we do things that are good for us, right? I also admit I do things that are good for me and bad for me. Well. Um, I do start books, and sometimes I don't finish them. Uh, but it goes beyond that. I, I have started home improvement projects and not finished them. I've started things at work and not finished them. Um, so, but often when I start these, right, I want to do these, yet it stops. It doesn't work. I want to explore some ideas related today to desire, all right? Desire. Uh, you could also say these are obviously related to the will and such. Uh, but we're going to build on previous discussions and discuss this today related to desire. Here's essentially, I wanted to establish this baseline first, all right? That, um, well, actually, before we do that, is there anybody in the room that always finishes what they start, always do good things for themselves, and never do bad things for themselves. Is there anybody in that body? All right, there are no perfect people in this room. Now that we've established this um, desire, all right, it's something normal for us, all right, the desire for good things and bad things. And, all right, and this is very important, uh, it is not to be trusted, all right? It is not to be trusted necessarily, all right? Uh, for defining what is good, all right? Just because you want something doesn't mean it's good for you, all right? 
And there's another problem with it, is that even when you do want things, uh, your desire is fickle. Right? Your desire is fickle, and so is mine. All right? One thing I want to establish today, very clearly, is a few things. One, um, our desires are messed up. We all know this, but I want to bring it to mind because we need to keep this in mind. And two, what you want should never be equated with what is good. All right? In other words, uh, though desire and want should absolutely be in the con- in the conversation about morals and ethics, it does not define what is moral. All right? It should be there. It is actually what you want, what you desire is a central part of law, all right, and custom. But just because you want a thing should never be confused with this thing is a good thing, all right? In other words, what humans want, what humans desire should never be used as a basis for saying this is good, all right? You must always look at something else. Um, we actually have a good, we have lots of biblical examples of this. Uh, the first really good biblical example I can think of is actually in Genesis chapter 3. If you would please turn there. Genesis chapter 3. The problem of desire starts very early. Now, I think it was uh, last week we read from Genesis chapter 3, but this is a different verse. If not last week, week before. So this is in the context of the serpent talking to Eve. All right? And so the serpent talks to Eve. All right? Eve says, I know what I'm supposed to do. I have the knowledge I need. God said, don't eat of that fruit, of that tree. Right? Uh, but the serpent says, uh, and, and if you do, you'll die. And the serpent says, false. You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, this is verse 5, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Now, this is Eve, all right, uh, not in a fallen state. This is what ultimately led to that, right? This is Eve, all right? This is how the fall ultimately happened. When Adam and Eve gave in to their desires, all right, gave in their desires that, as it turns out, were corrupted and were wrong. And therefore, well, all sorts of bad things have happened since then. Desire itself, though, we need, let's, let's talk, to decide is, is desire itself bad, all right? Is desire itself bad? Um, I want to bring in uh, some ancient sources on this one, all right? Let's talk about desire. Uh, Buddhism, does anybody know uh, Buddhism's take on desire? Didn't Buddha lost himself away from worldly desire for his life? Desire leads to suffering. Desire leads to suffering. But, I mean, is he right? Pretty much. Yeah, that's definitely true, right? Um, remove all desire, and you remove, at the very least, he is right. You remove a lot of suffering, all right? Um, 
Is this a Christian perspective? No, all right. Now, Buddha, this is uh, five, 5th century BC-ish, right? Um, let's, let's, let's jump forward a few centuries. Let's go to um, Seneca. You're familiar with Seneca? All right. Seneca uh, wrote letters to a guy named Achilles. And this was, he was writing about not wanting too much, all right? And he says, it is the quality of a great soul to scorn great things and to prefer that which is ordinary rather than what, with that which is too great. For the one condition is useful and life-giving, which means to not have endless desires, right? But the other does harm because it is excessive. Similarly, to which a soil makes the grain fall flat, branches break down under too heavy a load, excessive productiveness does not bring fruit to ripeness. This is the case with the soul also, for it is ruined by uncontrolled prosperity, which is used not only to the detriment of others, but also to the detriment of itself. What enemy was ever so insolent to any opponent as are the pleasures to certain men? The only excuse that we can allow for the incontinence and mad lust of these men is the fact that they suffer the evils which they have inflicted upon others. And they are rightly harassed by this madness because desire must have unbounded space for its excursions if it transgresses nature's mean. For this has its bounds, but waywardness and the acts that spring from willful lust or without boundaries. I think that's a very insightful statement. Waywardness and the acts that spring from willful lust are without boundaries. Now, Seneca is not a Buddhist. All right? Seneca uh, is not saying, don't desire at all. What he's saying is, uh, be reasonable in your desires. All right? If you have unbounded desire, desiring great things that you can never get, uh, this, is, this is going to ultimately be problematic for you. Uh, so that's a first century Stoic, uh, first and second century Stoic named Epictetus said something very similar. His advice was this. For the present, totally suppress desire. For if you desire any of the things which are not in your own control, you must necessarily be disappointed. And of those which are, and which it would be laudable to desire, nothing is yet in your possession. So in other words, uh, desire was problematic for them too. Not in the same sense. Epictetus went a little bit further than Seneca. Desire is okay for Seneca. It's just you need to rein it in. All right? And this is wise, I do believe. There's some value, certainly, in that. Um, let's talk about some other ancients. Uh, turn to the book of Proverbs. read a few, we'll, uh, we'll go in numerical order, starting in Proverbs 8, 11. These are explicit comments by the proverb writer on desire. Proverbs 8, 10. Take my instruction instead of silver, 
and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. He sets up a contrast. All right? There's all the things that you may desire. Whatever it is. Whatever you want. And then there's wisdom. And wisdom is something more valuable and something to be desired more than name your desires. All right? Proverbs 13. Proverbs 13, 12. And this is exactly what Epictetus said, actually, just in different words. Hope deferred, the first part of it, hope deferred makes the heart sick. All right? If you want for a thing and you can't get the thing, it weighs on you. It affects you negatively. All right? Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Uh, Proverbs 18. Eighteen one. All right. If your desires are faulty, this is something that commonly happens. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Why, I mean, why would you do that? Why would you? Why would you? Why would you do that? Well, any thoughts? Not sure anyone will agree with you. So what you want, right, is that desire, that whatever it is, all right, is more important than making a smart choice, making the right choice. So you're like, I'm just going to not talk to anybody and indulge in these things. Or Proverbs 21. Proverbs 21, 25. I, this one, this one, I have a problem with this one. The desire of the sluggard kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. You know, there have been lots of times where I'm like, you know what, if I were to do this thing, it would be extremely beneficial. And then... I don't do the thing, right? Because what? Busy. Uh, well, sometimes it's just plain laziness, right? That's what's going on here, right? You go, I really should learn this thing. This would help. Or I could sit here <laughs> instead and just watch TV or play Age of Embarcity or whatever it is, all right? Um, so the proverbialist sees these problems, all right? And he sees the same problem as the ancients, but he definitely takes a different approach to desire than the Buddhists, for example, all right? Um, for example, oh, it's actually Psalm 20, if you would turn there. It's close enough. 
Let's go back a few pages. Psalm 20. Is God okay with you wanting things? Is God okay with you wanting things? Indeed. Psalm 20. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. May he remember all your offerings and regard with favor your burnt sacrifices. Here you go. May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. All right. If God wants you to be a total stoic, if God wants you to remove all desires from your life, this makes no sense. All right? and, as, and if we reflect on the Eve scenario, all right, desire is not a result of the fall. All right? Why? Because it was her desire all right, that led to the fall. In other words, God created man to desire things. The problem is, as Chip just said, is not desire. It's the wrong way to define it. The problem are wrong desires. All right? That's the problem, ultimately, is we struggle with having wrong desires. This is, going back to one of our goals for today, this is exactly why, if anybody ever says this thing is right, and it's because this person wants this to be so. It's because somebody wants this, therefore it's okay. All right? Did people ever say that? <coughs> this is actually a very common statement in the realm of sexual ethics. All right? Super common. This person loves this person, therefore it is right and okay. All right? False. All right? Now, in the realm of sexual ethics, Desire is super important. We, we have laws and we have rules around rape. All right? Person A desires person B. Person B does not want person A. If person A makes it happen, that's called rape. Desire must be there. All right? But the desire does not necessarily make something right at all. Because desires are corrupted, often wrong, and they're fickle. You cannot base morality on something that changes so easily. All right? You just can't do it. Laws can't work that way. Morality can't work that way at all. Now let's go back to Galatians. Go back to Galatians chapter 5, which is what we discussed last time. Galatians chapter 5. We took the time to read through Galatians chapter 5 and discuss the meaning of paragraphs to continue our discussion today. I want us to review part of that and then we'll move forward. Galatians chapter 5 verse 16. But I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. 
it's important if you have if you're going to have a, a theory about what mankind is like that it match reality. All right. Um, this Christian notion that you have evil desires and then there are good desires and there's a fight is something that we all experience. All right. It is incredibly unhuman to say just don't desire anything. All right. Doesn't it doesn't reflect reality. It doesn't reflect how we are made. What does what we do see all the time is I I want to eat this donut. I'm gonna eat the donut. Donut donuts are not bad. I just ate half a donut. Look at that self control. <laughs> Except I also ate half of a of a cinnamon roll. So anyway, eating a donut is not bad. All right. Saying I'm gonna buy this box of donuts and I'm gonna eat this whole thing for breakfast. All right. Unwise. Perhaps not morally bad. <laughs> Unwise. All right. Not good. Not good for your body to eat a box of donuts for breakfast. So we see this. This makes sense of human activity. We see this in ourselves. We see it in others. Continuing on. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. For those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Right? So he, he, you know, we were just discussing how you know, you've got bad desires, you've got good desires, and then it's like, okay, let's talk about the bad desires. Here's a list, a non-inclusive list of all the bad desires. When he, and, and bad actions, really, is what it's talking about in, in many of these. And then he goes and talks about, okay, well, what is something that's valid? All right. When he says, if we look at uh, 23, all right, gentleness, self-control against such things, there is no law. This is reflecting back on that notion from how do you sum up the, what is in the law? All right. Love God, love neighbor. All right. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There's no law, there's no rule against those things. On the opposite, actually, they're what's going to generate, that's where you're going to find true love of God and true love of others within those. There's no law against them because they are essentially the thing the law was meant to address. You need these things. So here's, here's some obvious things to avoid if you want these things. And those who belong to Christ... Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And so some things, all right, some things are really obvious, all right, such as desire is problematic. You don't need to be a Christian to know this, all right? Buddha knew there was a problem there, all right? The Stoics knew there was a problem there, all right? You don't need to be a Christian, and none of those were, all right? Um, 
you don't need to be a follower of God at all to know those things. Right? We see all of the fights within us. But what is specifically Christian all right, is this remedy. All right? We need a remedy for this. The remedy for Buddha is just don't desire. No, sorry, not satisfied with that. The remedy for the Stoics is better, all right? though it's not the Christian remedy, which is if you're Seneca, just be reasonable in your desires. All right? There's actually there's some wisdom in that, but there's more to it. For the Christian, all right, for the Christian and Christianity, there is something positive, which is not just don't avoid desires, it is cultivate the right desires. Alright? Now we discussed last time there was the works of the works of the flesh versus the fruit of the spirit. Alright? Um, Fruit versus something you do, as we said last time, should not be something that we should contrast. All right? But let's read something in chapter 6, because it applies essentially the fruit metaphor to both. All right? And so you should think of good works, evil works, and also good fruit, bad fruit. All of, all of this, it's all trying to essentially be one image. Uh, Galatians chapter 6, for time's sake, we are going to go to verse 6. Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. What is sowing? Planting, right? Throwing out seeds. Right? That's the idea. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Um, when, you, when you sin, does it make it easier to sin? It really does. Sin from a nature habit standpoint, all right, what it tends to do is it tends to lead you to more of that stuff. Right? Not always. You can break out of it. You can go, I'm not going to do that thing. The other is also true. Right? The more you work on good things, it actually often becomes a little easier to work on those good things. Right? You start doing good things, you see a benefit. Right? And so you start doing a little more, you see a benefit. Now, that doesn't mean that you're always getting better. Because we know that's not true. Um, I've started good things and then not continued good things several times in my life. Several times. But this principle, all right, is we can just see based on how we work. True principle. Now, let's go back and read Verse 8 again, for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, bad things. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap, if we do not give up. So then, as we, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household 
for faith. So Paul has very clearly argued in chapter 5. There are bad desires and there are good desires. In verse 24, 5, and those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So what do we need to do? We need to sow. We need to sow towards good desires. We need to do things in life that sow toward good things. And he actually has a specific instance here in verse 10 of chapter 6, right? Because in verse 9 he says, let us not grow weary in doing good. What's our context? So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now, that's not the only good we can do, but that is a way of sowing. All right? Every act of kindness you do all right, to others is sowing to the Spirit. Do kindness to others. Now, if you would, let's turn to Romans chapter 6. And we need to stop a few minutes early today, right? Mm-hmm. Romans chapter 6, and I promise this is not entirely out of context. But we don't have time to read the context fully, all right? Because he's talking about essentially being a slave to sin. In verse 11, all right, he says this. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. The proper mindset, all right, is not just to, let's get rid of desires. The proper mindset is to cultivate the right desires by doing the right thing. Also, part of it is to set within your mind that this is true, therefore I'm going to do it. All right? Uh, I believe Edward has called this before the power of the made-up mind. All right? Set in your mind that this is true. That's what he's saying to them. All right? When you're like, ah, I don't, I I want to do this sin. Set in your mind that that is not what you're supposed to do. Set in your mind that you are to do good, that you are to sow, right, for the good, for eternal life. And uh, Romans chapter 8, and this is where we will end our reading today. (coughs) There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin he condemns sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. And he's about to say something, all right, that's very important to remember when we think about the nature of desire 
in the nature of the will. All right, and whether it's useful in judging if something is right based on what you want. All right. Verse 7, for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Those who constantly sow to, to the flesh, or just to say it another way, those who dwell on and dwell in sin, it changes their mind. It makes them hostile to the good. All right? This is, according to Christian theology, the default nature of man. This is the default state since the fall. All right? We have this natural tendency towards the evil. And what's worse is we then keep doing more evil, which makes us more evil. That's the nature of the thing. Therefore, there's a hostility that comes in. There is a desire. All right? There is a desire that grows. Therefore, why would you ever decide something is moral or truly good based on that? It doesn't make any sense. You should be able to see this much by seeing human nature. All right? You read habit books, all right? Just books on habits that have nothing to do with Christianity. Right? Well, if you have bad habits, then they lead you to bad things, and you won't want to do certain things. That's correct. It's this is how humans work, right? You don't need Christian theology to know this. Yet people always, or frequently, go. Of course, it's they want this. Therefore, it's okay if they want this thing. No, your desires are not some sort of law. All right? Your desires are just simply your desires. And your desires are corrupt. But hopefully, they're also good in some ways, too. And this is something you can work on, which is a discussion for another day. That'd be a good discussion for the new year. So let's be dismissed, because we do have a men's meeting right after this. I want you to think about what ways in your life are you sowing and contributing towards your own corruption? Because you are. You are. Because you're sinning. And that always breeds more corruption. And also think about ways that you can sow towards the good. Sow towards righteousness. And thus, reap more righteousness and, as Paul would say, eternal life. Think about that. All right? Ponder that. Ponder your life. Ponder your habits. Ponder what you do. That's right. God, give us wisdom, please. Help us think about the good and do the good. Help us transform our lives towards the good. Make our desires good and help us encourage each other in this. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.